morning. Welcome to River Ridge Church. My name is Matt, and I'm glad that you're here this morning. You know, people come to River Ridge for all kinds of different reasons. Maybe you're here this morning because you're just trying to figure out Christianity, trying to figure out if you believe this whole Jesus thing. Maybe you're here because a friend invited you. You're not quite sure what's going on. Uh, maybe you've just become a Christian. You're trying to figure out how do I walk with God uh, or maybe you're here all the time, or you're in church all the time, been in church your whole life, and you just want to say, hey, how can I go deeper with God? And I want to say, no matter why you're here, I'm glad that you're here, and I believe that God has something to say to you this morning through the message, through what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 23, if you want to find that in your Bible. If you uh, don't have a Bible, you can open up the River Ridge app or download the app and then open it up, uh, and you can uh, follow along on the verses in there. Uh, if you don't have either of those, the message or the uh, verses will be on the screen behind me when we get to it. So we're in the second week of this series titled Killing It. And uh, last week was the first week, and I want to give you kind of a theme verse for this series because the word, the title Killing It is a little bit deceptive because there's sort of two different ways to look at it. It says this in Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So it says, we put to death the deeds of the body. So what we're looking at is, what are the things that we want to put to death that are in our lives? And the other way to look at it is the word killing it, or the phrase killing it, is sort of popular today. Like, man, he was playing, if he were playing a really good basketball, he'd say, man, he was killing it on the basketball court, or he was killing it with whatever it is. Uh, and when it comes to our, and we use that sort of terminology, we want to kill it when it comes to our walk with God. That we want to not just have a ho-hum, mundane walk with God, but we want to have a great walk with God. We want to kill it in our relationship with God, so to speak. And so we're talking about three different things over three weeks. And last week we began with the topic of religion, killing religion. And what we meant by that, and that's sort of an unusual phrase, an unusual kind of way to put things, uh, but what we meant is this is that sometimes when we talk about God, we think, mistakenly think, that we have to earn God's approval. We have to do all these things, do this religious activity, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that, and then we earn God's approval. That's religion. That's Religion is man going to God in that way. But what we talked about is the fact that God came down to us in the form of Jesus and that he wants a relationship with us. And so we talked about this idea that what God wants for and really wants the best for us and what we long for is an intimate relationship with God. And we talked last week about how do we go about having that. If you missed the message last week, I encourage you to get online and watch it or listen to it. And so this morning, the message title is Pride. We're going to talk about killing pride. And pride is one of those words that's a bit of an odd word because pride has both a good meaning and a bad meaning. There's a good kind of pride in terms of pride in your work or pride in your team or pride in, you know, that type of thing. But there's a negative type of pride in terms of being prideful, a sinful pride. And it's that type of pride that we're going to talk about this morning in terms of killing that type of pride in our lives. If you've been around River Ridge uh, for any length of time, the last year or two years, you probably know or you may remember that we've talked about pride in the past. We talked about it in the Proverbs sermon series. We talked about it in a prayer sermon series. Uh, even as recently as about three, four, five weeks ago, we talked about the opposite of pride, which is humility. 
And I share that with you because this is a topic that I'm okay hitting with some frequency because pride is something that affects all of us and that we need to continue to address in our lives. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that we have this opportunity to look into your word and that we get this opportunity to hear from you. And God, I pray that we would listen to what you have to say, whether it's through the words of the scripture, whether it's through my words, whether it's through conversation with somebody here, whether it's through your Holy Spirit speaking to somebody. But God, you have something this morning for each one of us. Let us hear and be attentive to what that is. In Jesus' name, amen. I have uh, been in full-time ministry for 27 years, right? So I started when I was six years old and been in ministry for 27 years. But I've seriously been in ministry for 27 years. And in those 27 years, I have had all kinds of people come into my office or take me out for coffee, which I don't drink and eat, drink hot chocolate instead. But I have, I have people sit in my office in different places that I've been and ask me all kinds of questions. And I have had every different type of questions. I've had people say, how do I start a relationship with God? How do I get right with God? I've had people say, how do I fix my marriage after having an affair? How do I figure out finances because we are so far in debt, we are struggling? How do I raise my kids? How do I get over this addiction? How do I, I mean, I have people all the time say, I'm struggling with this. Can you help me? What does God have to say with this? What words of wisdom can you give me? And, and people will sometimes preface this with, you may not have heard this before, but, and then they'll tell me, and there are very, very, very few things that I haven't heard before in terms of somebody coming and sitting in my office and pouring out their heart. But there's one question that nobody has ever come into my office and said, I need help with this. No one in all of my 27 years of ministry has anybody ever come in and say, Matt, I have a problem with pride. Can you help me get over that? Can you help me deal with that? No one has ever asked me that question. And that's not because no one ever deals with pride, but it's because it's so hard to recognize in ourselves. There's a great proverb that says, pride comes before the fall, right? So when we have pride and we don't recognize it, then what comes next is we fall. We fall on our faces. And I came across a video clip uh, that really illustrates this this week. Uh, so check out this video about pride coming before the fall. Take my word for it. There's a moral to this story. Yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance. And at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can't. And you, know, you see his face. And you know, no one has to say anything. They don't have to explain it to him. He'll never make that mistake again. I mean, the look on that guy's face, like, what just happened, right? Is that not a great expression of pride comes before the fall? Like, he was like, yeah, cheer me, yeah, here I go, woo. And he missed the finish line. The other guy passed him up. Pride is hard to diagnose in ourselves, But if we don't diagnose pride in ourselves, then what happens is that we fall, like what happens with that guy in the video. One of the reasons that pride is so hard to diagnose in our lives is it's not obvious. You know, there's a lot of other sins that we could talk about 
that are obvious. You know, when you commit adultery, there's no question about it. You have committed adultery. You know that, right? When you lie, you know that you've lied, right? When you, um, when you, if you get angry, you know that you've gotten angry. You may blame it on somebody else, but you know you've been angry. But when we have pride, it's just so hard to tell. Uh, my son Riley uh, is uh, 18, and he was diagnosed about three years ago with diabetes. And um, for about two weeks, he was just kind of sickly, and we didn't know why. He lost a lot of weight. He couldn't quench his thirst. Um, he had some flu-like kind of fever symptoms, and we didn't know. And uh, we took him to the doctor, and they, you know, swabbed his nose and took a blood test and all the stuff, and looking at it, they couldn't figure it out. And we came to find out that he had diabetes, you know, through a blood test. But the thing about diabetes that's very unusual is you can't, like, do a DNA test to find out if somebody has or is going to have diabetes. There's no, like, um, kind of sampling. There's no, like, biopsy that you can take to figure it out. You have to look at a bunch of different things, and then you go, okay, the problem is diabetes. And there's an analogy in there that I want us to grasp. The same is true about pride. It's hard to see pride in the mirror. But if we can look and answer a couple of different key questions, we'll figure out, do I have a problem with pride or how severe is my problem with pride? And I would submit to you that all of us have a problem to some extent with pride. The question is, how great is our problem of pride? So let me ask you a couple of questions, half a dozen questions or so about pride. Here's the first one. Is there a lack of harmony in your relationships? Do you find yourself at odds with people where unresolved issues end up in severing or distance in a relationship? Here's the second one. Do you have a hard time celebrating wins and victories in somebody else's life? So when somebody else gets something, are you more jealous than celebrating with them? How about this one? I think this is true of so many of us. Do you have a hard time asking for help? Because you don't need help or because you're the only person that can do it right? How about this one? Do you have trouble admitting a mistake? Or corollary question, when mistakes happen, does it seem like it's always somebody else's fault and not your own? How about this one? Do you evaluate other people's performance or skills or results and come to the conclusion that if you had done it, you would have done a better job? Or how about pride when it comes to our kids? I'm talking about the sinful kind of pride. Do you compare your kids to other people's kids and go, well, my kids didn't turn out like that. I must have been a better parent. And then how about this last one? This is true for some of us. Is your way and the right way pretty much the same thing all the time? You got an issue with pride. Now, all those questions cut to the heart, but they're all about pride in terms of pride in how we view and interact with other people. But we can also have pride in our relationship with God, that we can be prideful towards God. You know, when, we, when God wants us to do something and we do something else, we don't obey what God wants, that's pride towards God. Like, my ways is better. I don't want to do it your way, God. Your way is too hard or not right. Or do you do things on your own without inviting God to be a part of whatever it is that you're doing. Like, I'll do this. If I can't handle it, then I guess I'll ask you for some help here. Or do you ever blame God when things in your life don't go right? 
If you blame God for things in your life that don't go right because he didn't do this or do that, that's a form of pride. We sang a song a little bit earlier, um, and I jotted down the lyrics because it, it, it just reminded me of the pride that we can sometimes have. So it says, um, we surrender all, was the line of the song. I won't sing it so that you don't leave. Um, it says, we surrender all, and then the next line is, do what you want to. And that is the posture that we should have of humility. But, and I may be weird in this, but I, I look at that song and I say, you know what I really want to sing? Do what I want to. I surrender all, but I'm going to do what I want to. That's a form of pride. So what's the problem with pride? Here's the problem with pride, is that pride ruins relationships. Pride ruins relationships. It ruins the relationships that we have with other people. When there is pride in the middle of a relationship, that relationship breaks down and breaks down, and eventually over time, will be completely severed. And the same is true in our relationship with God. When we are prideful towards God, God, you're doing it wrong, you say the wrong things, I'm doing it my way, what that does is it breaks down our relationship with God. It ruins that relationship. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about how do we get rid of pride? How do we kill pride in our lives? And we're going to look this morning at a group of people who are called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees uh, were the religious folks at the time of Jesus. Keith actually talked about them a little bit last week. But here's a good summary that describes the Pharisees, if you're not familiar with them. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of God. Says they teach as commandments the doctrines of God. You see, they didn't have a relationship with God. They were just all about the rules and following the rules. They had, and Keith mentioned this last week, there were 600 rules, 600 plus rules that they added that people had to obey, most of them around the Sabbath. And that was them having pride towards God. God, I realize that you gave us the Bible and what you say about the Sabbath, but I don't think you did a good enough job, so we're going to add 600 commands to what you've already given us. That's pride towards God. They also had this pride towards other people, where they said, we are the spiritual ones here. We do this, that, and the other thing, and we're the spiritual ones. They had pride towards people. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Jesus' words towards them. And the words are very harsh. And really, Jesus reserves his harshest stuff for the Pharisees, not for the people who are unbelievers or people who didn't claim faith. And I want us to look at this, and what I want us to see is ourselves in it. If we can allow ourselves to say, let me put myself in the sandals of the Pharisee and allow Jesus to speak to me, and do I have some of these things? Do I do some of these things that the Pharisees do? And this will help us weed out pride in our lives. So we're, again, in Matthew 23, if you want to turn there. We're going to begin in verse 11. It says, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, the video that we saw of the Oregon runner, I mean, this verse is him exactly. Whoever exalts himself, look at me, I'm going to cross the finish line first. He was humbled. Here's what I want us to see in this for us is that we need to admit pride. The first step is just admit that we're prideful in whatever capacity, in whatever fashion that is for you. And I would encourage you in this, is 
as you look at the pride in your life, to be specific, to think about not just, yeah, I have pride in general, but who do you have pride towards? Because it tends to be one type of person or one person or types of people, or what is, in what area do you have pride? You know, maybe in one area, like, there's no pride here, but in this area, it's like, I, I got to be right here. What are the places in your life where you have pride? As I was thinking about this um, this morning, I was, uh, I, so one of the things I do on Sunday mornings is I walk and I take about a 20-minute prayer walk and just pray for River Ridge and pray for the message and pray for myself and different things like that. And as I was praying through this message about pride, I have a friend, uh, I'll leave his name nameless, but I said, as I was praying, I was like, man, you know who needs this sermon is, and then I filled in his name. I was like, that is so prideful just ask, thinking that. Like, you know who needs this sermon? is me. You know who needs this sermon? is you. You may be thinking right now in your mind of somebody who has a ton of pride, and boy, they, they need this sermon, and you can, you can send it to them this week. That's fine. But you're here. God is working on your heart. Is there something specific that he wants you to know and understand an area of your life where you have pride. So that's the first step, is admitting that we have pride. Here's the second one. This is verse 13. Jesus says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. He's saying that the Pharisees keep people away from the kingdom of God. They keep people from a real relationship with God because the reason is, is that they have this control. There's all these laws that they create, all these commands that they add so that they have the control. He says, release the control. That's the second way to kill pride is release control. You know, when we talk about control, you know, we all have preferences, and sometimes what we do is we confuse preferences with right and wrong. We, you know, this is absolutely right. That's absolutely wrong. But instead, what it really is, it's, it's preferences. And as I examine my own life and giving up control, and especially giving up control when it comes to preferences, um, this kind of, again, came to mind for me. And uh, so in our house, we're sort of old-fashioned. We still get a newspaper that's delivered at the end of the driveway, and then we've taught our dog to go fetch the newspaper. And then the, new, and the dog comes in, he brings the newspaper in, and so I usually have him go out and get it. So I bring, him, bring the dog in, the dog gives me the newspaper, I give the dog a bone. Uh, and then I take the newspaper out, and it has this green um, baggie that it comes in. Right, And so I, take the, I read the newspaper, and then as I'm cleaning up my dishes, I take the bag and I throw it in the trash can. And I'd, I've done this for years. Well, recently, maybe a year ago, I found out that this baggie is not supposed to go in the trash. No, no, no. This baggie is supposed to go in the plastic bag recycle bag. I didn't realize that. And so Stacy's like, hey, can you put this over there? I'm like, no. I'm just going to put it in the trash can. It's easier. It's like one bag. And it's like, no, no, no. It's 365 bags per year. She didn't put it like that, but that was in my head. And so, and I, like, I, I just don't want to. Like, I have my routine. I eat my cereal, life cereal, orange juice every day for breakfast. And then I go and I put the, it's right there. The tra- and I have to go, like, if I put this in the recycle bag, it's like 
far, it's like eight feet away. Like, who wants to walk eight feet to put this in a recycle bag? I don't want to do it. And the thing is, I realized that it was my pride. It wasn't that I had a problem with the eight feet. It's like, don't tell me what to do with the plastic bag. So I have begun to put it in the recycle, except when she's out of town. But don't tell her that. Um, but you see, here's the thing. is, And that's a humorous example. And I can laugh about it, and we laugh about it. But you may have stuff going on in your life that's not like that at all, that's so much bigger. This is not a little plastic bag issue to go here. There are pride issues that are huge, and you need to release control. And I say, I do not need to be in charge. This does not need to go my way. We do not have to do it this way, and to release control of that. You know, one of the things that Stacy and I say in our marriage, uh, and we, we actually picked this up at Married People Night Out, and if you're not... Uh, familiar with that, I really encourage you to come on Friday night. It really is a great opportunity to just connect with your spouse, to get just a nugget of truth that you will remember for a long time. But we watched, a, we were a Mary People Night Out, and this nugget of truth stuck with me um, from one of the past ones still. And, it's the, and this is the phrase that we kind of use. I'd rather be wrong and together than right and apart. I'd rather be wrong, but we're unified together, than be right but now we're separated. And that comes from releasing control to say, we don't have to do it my way. This is my preference, but we don't have to do it my way. The third way to kill pride comes from verse 23. It says this. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Isn't that a great phrase? You strain out a gnat. Like you can barely see it, but you strain it out. Take that like a whole lot of time with something that's really, really little. And then you swallow a whole camel. Like not even noticing that. It's just a neat comparison. And what he's talking about is where we put our emphasis. You see, at the front of this, he says, you tithe mint and dill and cumin. And so a family at that time would have, a Pharisee would have like a little mint plant, right, about this big, and they would cut off 10% of it, put it in a little basket, and then they'd go to their dill plant, and they'd cut off 10% of it, and they'd put it in that little basket, and then they'd cut off their cumin plant. I don't know what a cumin plant is, but I'm sure some of you do. And they'd cut the cumin, and then they would put that in there, and then they would take that to the temple, and they would offer that as their tithe. That's 10% of their dill, their mint, and their cumin. And Jesus says, you're so meticulous about this little bitty thing, but yet you don't practice the big things. Justice, faithfulness, mercy. You do the little things, the microscopic things, but you're missing out on what is really important. It would be like for us today to say, the best analogy I could think of is, is maybe let's say you babysit for a friend. You get $20 for babysitting, and they say, I'm going to give 10% to God. And so you go make that, take the $2, and you put it in the offering bucket on a Sunday morning. All right, I did that. I did my 10% to God out of my $20 babysitting. And then you go home, and you go on Facebook, and you slam somebody on Facebook, neglecting love and faithfulness and mercy and justice. And I, I mean, there's all kinds of ways you can look at this. 
But the idea is that we, we, we're microscopic about this one thing, but we neglect the big things in life. And what Jesus says, he says, pay attention to both. Yes, you should tithe off the mint, the dill, and the cumin. We should tithe off of everything that we have. But we've got to remember the important things of the law of faithfulness and justice and mercy. And so as we get to this, as far as killing pride in our lives, here's what I want us to see, is we need to let the minor issues slide. We need to let the minor issues slide. We don't want to strain the gnat and swallow the camel. We've got to pick our battles. What's important in terms of what we fight for? And absolutely, there are things that are worth fighting for, for sure. But we also need to say, but there's some things that are just less important, and we don't need to be so prideful about them or so intent on them. You know, one of the, where pride frequently comes up is in a marriage relationship where a spouse or both spouses will major on things that really should be minor things. They don't let the minor issues slide. They, the one that kind of couple I was thinking about this week um, and, and I'm going to stereotype this a little bit. hope that you're okay with that. You know, but you, sometimes you'll have a wife that's super, like, nagging about cleanliness in the house. Like, pick up your socks, do this, do this, wipe the toothpaste, do, you know, the counters aren't good enough. And she's constantly nagging her husband about the house. Or the flip side stereotype is you've got a husband who's constantly micromanaging the money in the household. Well, why did you buy that blouse? Why did you buy that black pair of shoes? You have four pairs of black shoes in your closet. Why are you buying this? Why did you spend money on this? Why do you do this? Why did you buy this? And you see, when we do that, it's a form of pride. Because what the wife is really saying to the husband is, you don't know how to clean like I do. Or you're too lazy to clean like I do. And what the husband is saying is, you don't know how to manage money, and I do. Those are forms of pride. And what we need to do is let that go. Let that go and allow the major issues. Talk about the major issues, absolutely. But don't let pride get in the way of some of these minor things. Let's keep going. Verse 25, we'll see the next way to kill pride. It says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that, you, uh, that the outside may be clean, may also be clean. <clears throat> Have you ever left a cup in the sink for too long? Like if it's milk or maybe coffee with cream in it, and you come back like three days later and it's like growing and green and nasty, right? You ever done that? Or maybe a bowl of chili that's just gotten nasty after a while. But you can take that out, right? Take it out of the sink. And you could polish up the outside of that and say, hey, look at this cup. Would you like some coffee? And some of you are like, man, that's a good looking cup. I'll have some coffee. And then they look inside and it's just nastiness. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were cleaning up the outside. Let's look real good on the outside, but their hearts were far from God. And so what Jesus says is he says, first clean the inside, and then the outside will take care of itself. And so for us, to kill pride, we want to focus inside first. In other words, we want to pray that God would change our hearts. 
that the pride that's in it, that God would root that out, that we would confess that and God would remove that. And then when the heart is removed, the heart of pride is removed, then everything flows out of that. It's not about controlling or doing the external things, but it's about the heart and then we change from the inside out. Read to you the next way to kill pride. Um, And the first part of this mimics what we just saw, but then Jesus adds to it. So verse 27 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So that's very similar to the cup of the outside of the end. So you, you whitewash these tombs, you make the tombs look really pretty on the, ins- on the outside, but inside there's wasting, decaying, smelling bodies. He says, that's what you're like. You're trying to look good on the outside, but inside you smell. But then he goes on and he says this, so you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you, Within, you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, what the Pharisees are doing is they're all about the appearances. If we can look good on the outside, then we're in good shape. Let's just make people think that we're spiritual. Let's make people think that we love them. Let's make people think that we care. But Jesus is saying, no, you've missed it. You're just focusing on the outside, on the externals, trying to put up this facade. And so for us, part of killing pride is being honest. Be honest with the junk that's in us. Be honest with the pride that is in us. You know, one of the things that we encourage folks to do at River Ridge is to be a part of a ridge group. Because when you're in a ridge group, you have a place to share. You have a place where people can hold you accountable for pride and other things in your life. You know, there's a phrase, one of our core values is you can't do life alone. That we need to walk through life shoulder to shoulder with other people who will love us, who will encourage us, but also who we can be honest and vulnerable with. We can let down our guard and go, it smells in here. There's problems behind this whitewashed tomb. And we can let people in and help and allow them to move us forward in our walk with God. Let's look at one last set of verses, verse 29. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. And what it's talking about here, it says, you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. So in other words, in in the Old Testament, what would happen is that the people, uh, there would be a prophet that would rise up, and the people would say, we don't agree with you, we don't agree with you, and they would kill those prophets. Right? They say, we don't like what you've said, and they would kill them. And so the Pharisees, looking back in time, in the Old Testament, would say, we wouldn't have been like that. We would have honored the prophets. And so we're going to put monuments and flowers and so forth and decorate the prophets' tombs because we would have listened to what they said. We would have listened to the prophets. The Pharisees, the scribes, the people that Jesus is speaking to here, are the same folks that just a chapter or two later will crucify Jesus. You see, they had this pride of comparison. They said, we're not like those folks. We would do a better job. And so for us, as we talk about killing pride in our lives, we want to run from comparison. 
We want to run from comparison. Because whenever we compare ourselves to others, we lose whether we come out on top or whether we come out underneath. If we compare ourselves to others and we come like, man, I am such a better parent than they are. Man, I'm such a better doctor than he is. I'm such a better whatever. When we have that pride, when we have that comparison, then we end up with pride. Or we compare ourselves to somebody else and we're like, man, I'm terrible. I'm nothing compared to that person. Right? We run from comparison. You know, if we go back and we think about that organ runner, and it's, it's tempting to look at that guy and say, that would never happen to me. I would never celebrate before I win. I would never. I think that's a dangerous place to be in. There's sort of like pride about not being prideful, right? What we want to do is we want to have a mindset, an attitude, a heart that says, I always have the potential for pride. And I want to intentionally be humble. I want to intentionally work these steps so that I don't fall in the future because pride comes before the fall. I want to close with this. I want you to just take a few minutes and close your eyes if you would. And I just want you to reflect. And I want you to hear from God. And I want you to think about, I want you to consider, where do you have pride? Do you have pride towards a person, a specific person? Or maybe there's pride in an area of your life that you just have a lot of pride about that and you need to bring that before God. Or maybe you have pride in your relationship with God, that there's just a lot of pride of wanting to do life and things your way instead of God's way. And then ask yourself this question. What is God laying on your heart? What step or steps does God want you to take to root pride out, to kill pride in your life, to get it out of your life? Maybe it's one of these steps. Maybe God has laid something else on your heart. But what does God want you to do to combat pride in your life? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. And uh, God, I confess my own pride to you. And Lord, just on behalf of us as a congregation, as a church, God, I confess our pride corporately and individually and pray, God, that you would root it out of our lives, that you would take, us, take it from us and that you would forgive us and you would replace pride with humility, God. Let us deal with it and that you would deal with it and that you would free us from the pride so that we could live and have vibrant relationships with one another and with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.